Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everybody. It's Jacqueline. I want to say hey and a huge welcome to all our newer listeners, whether you found us through Call Your Girlfriend or the Marie Claire and Esquire uh, sex podcast lists or however you came to be listening. Uh, really glad to have you. Always love to hear what you think of the show. Just a quick reminder that we are on summer hiatus, but we didn't want to leave you completely high and dry. So we're going to be playing some of our favorite past episodes for you while we plan for future ones. This week's Hiatus Rewind is one of my favorite shows I've ever done under any iteration of this show. It aired last year, uh, back when the show was called Yes Means Yes and had a slightly looser format. And it is called Can Rape Fantasies Be Feminist? I'm sure y'all are going to have a lot to say about it, so feel free. Let me know. Talk to me on Twitter at Jacqueline F. Use the hashtag unscrewed. Email me at unscrewed at JacquelineFreepin.com. Let's talk about it. But first, have a listen. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I'm your host, Jacqueline Friedman. This week's show was inspired by an inquiry I had from a reporter a couple of weeks ago doing another story on whether or not you can be a feminist who has rape fantasies. And I just have to say, and we'll get into this, dear listeners, but I'm so bored of this question that it actually made me angry to have to talk to her about it again. And so I thought, gosh, we've never talked about this on the show. Who should I have on to talk about rape fantasies? And I thought, obviously, I should have Tristan Taramino. Tristan is the author of eight books, uh, she's the editor of more than 25 anthologies. She's a very busy woman, including her two latest, The Feminist Porn Book, which I think she was on this show to talk about, actually, uh, and The Ultimate Guide to Kink. She's the host of Sex Out Loud, a live radio show and podcast on the Voice America Talk Radio Network, which you should absolutely be listening to and subscribing to. She's also an old friend of mine. We went to college together. Tristan, thanks for coming back to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, so I guess I'll start by saying, are you as stupid bored of this question as I am? I mean, I guess yes and no. On the one hand, yes, I'm terribly bored by it. It just seems like Susie Bright and Carol Queen and some other folks covered this in the 1980s yes. and, and, and put it to bed. Like, that's my first thought is like, wait a second. Didn't we have this debate? Didn't all didn't this all come out around like the Barnard Conference and, you know, BDSM and, and sex positive feminists? And so haven't we 
haven't we put this to bed? But apparently we haven't. We have not, evidently. Although I will say the interview was a couple of weeks ago and the article never came out. So I don't know. Maybe it got killed for being too boring. That's my hope. Maybe she, she interviewed a bunch of people and they were all like, yeah. This is boring. This is yeah. boring. <laughs> yes. I love I love when I get that kind of interview where I'm like, just so you know, the entire premise of this is stupid. But sure, <laughs> I'll answer your questions. But you haven't done your homework at all. <laughs> I might have been a little like that. Yeah. No, I think it's our responsibility to just say, hey, this is not going to move the conversation forward. No. Like we, this conversation has been had and you need, need to take it to a different level. And I also think uh, there's this anti-feminist undercurrent in the question, right? Oh. Which is about women asking for it. Right. Absolutely. I think for me, this why people are still trying to hash this out is basic moral panic. Yeah. I mean, it is it is an example, once again, of a policing of women's desires, women's fantasies, women's sexuality, women's bodies. You know, it's basically saying, oh, yeah, we are. Of course, we want women to have desires. Oh, wait, not not those desires. Not those desires. No, 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 no. Desires. No, I'm sorry. No, we we would like to control what those desires are. And it's it's romance and flowers. You, you don't want to be roughed up right. in any way. Exactly. I, I remember a few years ago now when I think it was Kate, Katie Royfe, somebody published a, co- a cover story on Time or Newsweek when Fifty Shades of Grey was kind of at its peak about how Fifty Shades proves that women don't actually want sexual agency um (laughs) yeah no i i remember that do you remember that i I totally remember it and it was dumb it was dumb it was it was like intellectually bankrupt dumb it was like Mm -hmm. she can't even believe that dumb and i wrote a piece about it for the guardian um and i basically said like we and this is what i said to the reporter none of us no one thinks that people who like horror movies secretly want to be brutally murdered in real life. Of course. Of course course. we don't. But again, it's the red herring. Sex, porn, fantasy, desire, it all becomes, it all falls in this special category, right? It all, it it becomes the answer to all of our woes. So instead of, you know what I mean? It's like we, we don't treat other things in our society like this but sex is like its own special thing and we make exceptions for it all the time when it doesn't even make sense for example people are really into the show hannibal right <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i mean absolutely my boyfriend is super into it it's too, okay they're too really 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 into it yeah and and there are podcasts about it i mean everything and yet i don't think that there are 10 million people out there who want to become serial killers or who want want to be killed by a serial killer or right? to be cannibals yes. no it's like we just uh, to me it's like they're into the show and you know whatever appeals to them about the show appeals to them and it could quite possibly be the characters in the writing um but but we're able to see that and that makes sense to people right. whereas i feel like we're subscribing these ideas to like our fantasies and our desires that they they mean something and they mean something with a capital M and it's bad. Right. But I think there is a slightly more complex question buried in the moral panic, which is when is indulging in fantasy possibly going to be damaging for you? Not like you're a bad person but can it reinforce negative ideas that 
you're also experiencing elsewhere in the culture. We're, I mean, obviously we're all influenced by the media we consume. So what about that question? No, it's a great question. Obviously, we also don't have fantasies in a vacuum. Right. Right. So the fantasies we have are absolutely cultural production. I mean, they're they're produced by the society in which we live. And um, so it's it's I, we can't just say, well, you could fantasize about this or you could fantasize about rape and it's all equal. It's like not not really. And I don't know what um, what numbers you, you subscribe to, but something like a third or more of women have experienced sexual coercion, trauma, abuse, violence in their lives. Oh, yeah. I mean, a third is a really conservative number. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So and honestly, more, I don't more. I'm not interested in quibbling over the numbers. A third is right. still a fuck of a lot of women. A lot of people. Yes. And so <laughs> the truth is that rape is a reality in our lives. It's a reality in that it has happened. It has almost happened or it could happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And so so we're not just fantasizing about it in, in a random way way i think like we're we're actually trying to work our feelings out about rape itself while we're fantasizing i think so too i mean that's really my feeling about it is that fantasy sexual fantasy especially but all kinds of fantasizing is a place that we can safely encounter things that are otherwise terrifying and out of control in the real world that's not the only thing fantasy does but that's one of the things that we can get from our sexual fantasies is sort of a safe place to have control over things that we that scare us right so that i mean this is one of the things i said to the reporter was like it's literally impossible to want to be raped right like that's an oxymoron right right rape involves you not wanting it um so if you want it it's something other than rape um And, you know, this makes me think of Jack Morin, the late Jack Morin, who was an amazing, amazing psychologist and writer. He wrote a book called The Erotic Mind. And in my mind, it's still one of the best books about sex and fantasy and desire. And he talks about danger as this aphrodisiac, right? That we all like a little bit of danger with our sex. Now, can you take that to a level that is compulsive or that's going to put you in harm's way? Absolutely. But most of us just want that little bit of danger with all these controls in place. Right. The feeling of danger without the actual danger. Right. It's like almost like tricking your brain because you know you're not in danger. But, oh, the scenario, the role play, the fun of it. I feel a little bit in danger. Right. And I think that that's a big turn on. And. Um, and, and, and the fact that it's taboo, the fact that we shouldn't want to have these fantasies, um, and that there is hand wringing about them, especially among feminists, I think also makes them a little bit more powerful because every time someone says like, this is, you shouldn't be thinking about this. This is bad. This makes you bad. That just turns people on more. (laughs) Why is that? Why do you think the taboo is such a strong erotic force? I mean, part of it, I think is probably in our puritanical roots, You have to remember that so much of what we know, learn, and think about sex is based around shame and these ideas of sort of purity and repression and the taboos break that. I mean, it goes back to the same thing. You can sort of experience that rebellion in a contained and controlled way. I think we also kind of have to dig into the very rape fantasies that we're talking about because I think... 
as, as we tend to do, we say rape fantasy, everyone in the room nods and we move on. But truthfully, if you've talked to people about their fantasies, and obviously both of us have talked a lot to people about their sex lives, when I ask people about their rape fantasies, like to actually tell me what the fantasy is, it's wildly different from person to person. The object of the game is different for people. There are some people who really want to have rough sex and they put it in those terms. Right. There, there are some people who want to explore power dynamics. They're into dominance and submission. They're kinky. They're into BDSM. And this is part of BDSM play. There are some people that want to be surprised. There are some people who want to be objectified. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to be hurt in any way, mm-hmm. um, but they want to be the object of all of this intensity. And, and some people just want to be taken you they know, want to experience the helplessness. Yes. yes. And being taken is a huge fantasy for people of all genders. It's part of this conversation. Like we can't separate out this idea of being taken or being ravaged. Um, I think it links up with women's other kinds of fantasies that involve submission. Right. So and men's fantasies too. I mean, I think Absolutely. that we shouldn't over gender this. Although I think that there is... Because culture affects our sex life as well. I think that probably you'd find more women who identify as submissive and more men who identify as dominant. But I don't think that there's anything inherent necessarily about that. I think that question is unknowable, right? How much is that culturally influenced? What's acceptable? There really is very little research about BDSM out there. And so, yeah, we don't don't actually know. So... So I want to just get really real because I feel like this conversation is so abstract and intellectual a lot of the time. And I've really resisted doing this for a long time because I think that whatever I say here is going to be held against me by people who hate me and wish me harm. But I just also feel like there's a lot of power in breaking taboo, right? And breaking Mm -hmm. silence. So Mm -hmm. for me, context is, and I think probably most people listening to this show know that I'm a survivor of sexual violence. It was a long time ago. It was over 20 years ago. I never had rape fantasies until maybe the last three or four years when I started doing anti-rape activism a lot more intensely and uh, constantly. Right. And I've just got to, I've got to like vent that off somewhere. And well, I- and you have to, I mean, I think another piece of this in, in fantasies and in rape fantasies is we write the script. Yes. I so, mean, not always. Like if you're watching porn, you didn't literally write right, the script. Right, okay. But, but you but pick if you're, the script, right? You right. Can, you can pick it and you're like, oh, I don't like that one. I want to find something with the script more like the thing I'm looking for, right? Like, right. And if it's a fantasy generated like in your own head, you, you literally are in charge of, of every detail of it and it can go exactly the way you want it to go. Right, and not go, you can go right up to whatever that exciting line is without going over it, right? Exactly. There's an enormous amount of control. Yeah. Um, and so... I don't know. I just felt like saying that out loud. Like, let's talk about it as real people. Like, absolutely. I have rape fantasies. I'm a feminist. Anyone who tells me that I'm doing it wrong can go screw. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I I mean, I would join you in saying I have rape fantasies. And I was thinking today, I was like, I wonder if she's going to ask me if I've ever acted out a rape fantasy. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah. That's another piece, too, is this idea that there are some people who watch porn or fantasize in their minds about these things and they don't that is as far as it goes 
And that is a space for me where there should be zero censorship. I really think we should not be fucking with people and their thoughts and their ideas and what gets them off. Oh, absolutely. When it's like them in a room alone with their ideas, I'm like, totally go for it. Totally go for it. Um, but then some people do actually set these things up, right? Sure. And, um, and so I, I was thinking back and I did, in fact, I did, in fact, enact a rape fantasy once with someone. Um, and it was someone I really, really trusted who I felt like really saw me and acknowledged me and got me and who I had tons of sexual experience with, you know, so they they also knew my body and my limits and all that stuff. Um, and it was, it was actually really exciting and really fun. Um, the, the only part of it, this is always funny too, though, when you, any role play you have. Sometimes things go wrong oh, because sure, yeah. you haven't really scripted it or you haven't thought everything through. And so the only thing that um, that was bad about my rape fantasy and, and like sort of prompted discussion was after we went through this rape, um, he got up and left <gasps> and didn't come back for for a little bit. Um, and oh, I, and I get, I get why he would do that sort of in character, depending right, on the scene, right? right like yeah. I'm like fleeing from the scene, or I'm like, there's right. no aftercare, whatever. And so I was like panicked, like, where did he go? Why is he not coming back? Do, isn't he worried about me? Doesn't he want to check in with me? Yeah. And of course, he did come back, and he had all those feelings. He was just trying to sort of give some space between essentially the end of the erotic drama right. and then back to real life. It's funny, you know, I also have done it once and under very similar circumstances like with somebody who I really trusted who I felt really got me who I had a lot of sexual experience with um and it was great yeah it was really fun <laughs> it was I mean, really fun I would do it again in the right circumstances right like it's not like a primary diet of my my actual real world sexual life as opposed right. to my fantasy life but um it was great and it really sort of like scratched a pretty profound itch for me um but again like even while i'm talking to you about this tristan i am terrified that like some fucking men's rights activists are gonna go like listen to this and like make a whole thing about how jacqueline really secretly wants to be raped like or jacqueline and tristan are giggling about rape giggling about, about rape like it's really i'm yeah. even while i'm having this conversation with you i'm terrified about how it's going to be used and policed by other people quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
no, this totally, totally, totally resonates with me. And this gets back to this project I was working on. So yeah, what happened with that? Yes. Yeah. So when I was directing um, my feminist porn and I was working as a, as a director for Vivid, I had a series called Rough Sex, which was all about real women's BDSM fantasies. And, and basically we would create the fantasy based on what the performer wanted to do. And, and she would talk about it and her partner or partners would talk about it beforehand and you'd see the negotiation and you'd see the setup of the scene and then you, and then we, and then we'd say go. I love that. I love all that context. Yes. And so, um, I, I would approach basically performers who I really liked and liked working with and thought were interesting and, and ask them what they wanted to do. And I approached Marie Love, who is an African-American adult performer and at the time pretty much at the top of her game. She doesn't perform anymore. And I said, you know, tell me some of your fantasies that you haven't gotten to enact in porn, which is sometimes hard for a veteran performer because sure. they've actually, it's like they've had their orgy and they've had their three-way and they've had sex in the shower and on a beach and all that shit. Um, and she said, well, I'll, I, I know right away. It's a rape fantasy. No one will let me do it. Every, when I say it, people are like, no, they just say no, right to me. No one even like thinks about it. They just say no. And so that really got me. I felt like, Ooh, this is a challenge. Everyone else is saying no to her. I want to be the one to do it. And so we shot this scene and it was very, very, very intense. Um, and afterwards I felt a lot of ambivalence. I I felt like, you know, on the one hand I'm saying these are real fantasies. And so you're going to see five different fantasies, five different women. And and this is Marie's fantasy, right? But then on the other hand, I thought, wow, but what if someone's watching this and they're totally into the fantasies and then this triggers them or they say like, wait a second, I didn't sign up for this. This is like, this has gone to a, a certain point. And a very good friend of mine at the time said, Tristan, if you put this out there, you are going to be known forever as the woman who filmed a rape scene and made it sexy, you know, and I I was like, Ooh, God, that would be, that would be bad. So I took a step back and I went to vivid. I went to Stephen Hirsch and I said, Stephen, I shot this scene. Like, here's what happened. Here's what it is. And I'm having second thoughts about putting it in the movie. And he was like, uh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you're asking my opinion, like, just no, just, just, do you want the scene? Like you can buy the scene from me and, and we will never speak of it again. And it will be, on, it will be yours. So we did that. Um, and he said, just shoot another scene. And I did. And then I decided that I wanted to make a movie about both the making of the scene and then also kind of the fallout and then what people would think when they saw it. Right. Which and, is what you and I had talked about. Yes. Yeah. And so I interviewed a lot of different people. Um, interestingly, the hardest people to get to speak to me on camera were rape survivor activists. They were like, I can't do the work that I do and go on and say that there's anything positive about this. I know. I mean, I, I get was, that. It was really intense. And so, and I worked on it for two years. And then I felt like the discussion about especially rape on college campuses was really heating up. Not that rape itself hasn't been going on all this time. I just mean- The activism has been heating up. The activism, the conversations. And I thought, is this the right time to put this particular thing about rape out in the world when we don't still have like consent down pat? I know. We We still are telling women to not get raped. We're still forgetting to tell men not to rape. I know. 
so I was like, I, so, so I, so the, so the, I shelved it. I mean, I have all the footage and I have all of it, but I, but I feel deeply ambivalent about it. And people ask me from time to time, whatever happened to that project about rape fantasies. And I'm like, God, I just don't know if that's what I should put out in the world right now. I feel so, I feel so two ways about it. Cause I get exactly why you shelved it. And then also this idea we have about how it's anti-feminist to have a rape fantasy is used to blame women like we talked about right like it's it's part of that victim blaming narrative that like women secretly want it and like if there's some way you know this is why i want to do this episode if there's some way for her to open up a conversation that says like actually under certain circumstances it can be perfectly healthy i don't think it's healthy every time right i've heard from women who have rape fantasies that trouble them deeply Mm, right mm -hmm, right and sometimes that's an indication that's a place you want to go and explore and sometimes it's like well maybe you don't want to do that to yourself then right maybe you don't want to keep reiterating that narrative to yourself if it's hurting you i think it's really personal i I don't get to decide whether it's a good force in your life or not but i absolutely personally have experienced that it can be perfectly healthy and and rewriting the script i mean that's the other thing is that we can't deny that if there's people out there who are enacting rape fantasies some of those people have been victims of rape oh yeah hello Um, i'm raising my hand you're raising your hand and and in fact marie love comes out and says that she was sexually assaulted um when she was younger and there's a, a whole description of it and and she's you know, everything she said was really smart and fascinating. And part of what I thought was, you know, people do in some cases, they can craft these, these scenarios to find catharsis, to find healing, to rewrite the script quite literally where they call the shots. It can be so cathartic, right? Because you literally, you're, you're going back to that difficult and charged and terrifying place, but you, you also know on a deeper level of your brain, yeah, that you're totally in control. And so re-experiencing something in a way that gives it sort of re that inscribes control over that narrative is so powerful. Yeah. But, but at the same time, you know, it gets used against us all the time, right? Like I know that there are going to be people who say like, it sh- this shows that I am damaged, right? As a survivor, the fact that I fantasize about it just shows like how broken I am. Um, and I really want to like, raise both of my middle fingers to those people forever but and and actually i i would say the opposite jacqueline i would say if you're a rape survivor and you have rape fantasies that means you haven't pushed your experience so far down into your unconscious that you have no access to it whatsoever i mean i don't want to say that blanket because i don't want to say the reverse which is that if you are a survivor who doesn't have rape fantasies no, you're just right, in denial no, but right it can, but you know what i mean it can, it can be it yes can be. exactly yeah. yeah not everyone but i think it, it can be like you are wrestling with this you are still wrestling with this and that's okay like that's that's great that you're still kind of trying to engage this um and still and and not just shut down around it did you talk for that film or, or otherwise to women who have rape fantasies in which they are the rapists? No, but you should have someone on your show, uh, which is Tina Horn. Okay. So, Tina Horn, who was one of the co-founders of Queer Porn TV, and she has a podcast, her own podcast too. She um, filmed... The Revolution will be podcasted, evidently. Yeah. Um, and so she filmed uh, a rape fantasy with her then partner where she was the rapist 
Yeah. And it was very powerful. And they, they never released it or anything. They just had the movie, you know, to watch themselves. Because I, I think that there's also like an even greater taboo, like just an utter silence over the idea that women especially might fantasize about being the aggressor. Mm. the perpetrator although also i've been with men i've had male partners who didn't who were really reluctant to engage in sort of rough topping of me yeah because because they've done all this work on themselves and they're like i want to be a good guy like i've worked really hard to like get rid of all those impulses and put them on a locked box somewhere and like now you want me to to touch that place like i that's happened to me more times than i can count by the way when you ask cis men to just like kick it up a notch yeah. and play with a little bit of power, they ju- they're like, whoa, no. It's, it's really interesting because I think it's like it's partly due to the fact, like you said, that like masculinity has changed over the years and, and has changed for the better. But also it's like the separation of like who you are when you walk in the world versus who you are in this play space. Yeah. You know, I have these recurring fantasies, which to me are like go-to fantasies that always turn me on and get me off. One of them is about being a sex worker and having booked a client and and the client shows up and then sort of quickly right into it, someone else shows up. Oh my God, I have had that one. You have? Okay. So (laughs) it's like, um, like shit did not go as planned. Right. right? And so, and then there's like this, wait a second. No, 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 no. I signed up for this one thing. And they're like, we don't care. Mm -hmm. You're going to do this other thing. Um, which in my real life would really piss me off. Um, I have high standards. I have expectations. I want you to fucking meet them and And I don't want you to fuck with me. Violation. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in my sexy life, I'm always putting myself in these situations <laughs> where I'm sort of caught off guard and, and I'm being coerced to do something that I didn't sign up for. I mean, I don't have anything to say except yes. I feel <laughs> really. This makes me think of a really profound experience I had, which was when I was promoting the feminist porn book with my co-editors, um, we did a panel at Catalyst Con, which is this event. And you know, there's a, there's a very vibrant kind of question and answer. It was a panel of people from the book. There were porn stars. There were former porn stars. There were directors, producers. There were porn scholars and academics all talking about these issues. And we had a really kind of vibrant discussion going on afterwards. And then someone stood up and said, I would like to know what kind of porn you watch to get off. And the room went silent. And I looked at my fellow people. These are like professors at major universities and porn stars and directors. And I thought, oh, are we going to answer this? It's complicated. It's very complicated. So what we decided was um, we would, in fact, answer it in that room. But everyone agreed that it would not be publicized, tweeted, Facebook, Instagram. Right. So it was an experience we're having in that room with those, say, 60 people. And then we went one by one. And had to speak it. It was very, very, very intense for me. And people had, you know, it was really politically incorrect. Cross-gender, cross-sexual orientation, identification. Interesting. Someone, one of the porn stars said, I like to watch myself. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which was like so deep and so intense. That's intense. so, So revelatory. It was amazing. But the discomfort, yeah, the discomfort we felt in that room and even people commented on it later, people in the audience came up to me and said, 
you know, I can't believe that you guys literally talk about this and do this for a living. And you, you are completely uninhibited. You really are no holds barred. You'll talk about any kind of experience that's sexual. And yet when asked this one question, you all panicked. But I think that's exactly why I wanted to have this conversation. Because if that panel of, of experts, right, and of people who are living it every day have that response if it's that sort of deeply personal and vulnerable to a bunch of porn professionals in a bunch of different capacities then it is for everybody and i just want people to know it's okay like it's Mm -hmm. it's fucking whatever it is for you maybe it's not rape whatever it is right right i want to talk about one more thing when it comes to sort of taboo fantasy whether it's rape fantasy or something else which is how does somebody know when something that they want to fantasize about, they like to think about it when they get off or it turns them on to think about it or they watch porn about it. How do you know when you want that to stay in the realm of theoretical or when you want to try and play it in your real life bedroom? Mm, like how, such a good question. Yeah, I, I've encountered that a form of that question a number of times. Well, it's, it's interesting because, um, there are times when I feel like I've thought about some of my fantasies being enacted and, and I sort of have in my community, you know, people who are kinky and who are trustworthy, who could, who could, you know, throw this thing together for me, throw this little erotic drama together for me. Um, but truthfully, I think some of these fantasies are so powerful because you write the, you write the script to the T and there's no, there's no faltering. There's no the way truth, it can go wrong. Yes. When you open this up to doing it with another person or persons, things are going to come up and things are going to go differently than you want them to go or that you expected them to go. And so you've got to be willing. I think you've got to be willing to say, okay, this is going to be very similar to my fantasy and I've written the parameters and I know there's definitely going to be no A, B, and C and there's going to be a lot of X, Y, Z, but this is this is real life and, and, and human interaction. And so things are going to come up that I, and, I don't even know. And you're yeah, you're not going to have thought of everything that you want to say. Like, no. like in the example of your scene where you didn't think to say, I don't want you to leave at the end. Please stay. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, like, yes. I didn't know. I didn't know. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think you have to be I think I think you have to say to yourself, am I willing to explore this fantasy in the flesh and have it go in some directions that I don't I can't anticipate yeah and I also often say like think about if there's a way to to dip your toe in without going all the way in right like oh yeah can you have a partner you know if it's a right fantasy can you have a partner just sort of hold down your rest, wrists and say something nasty to you for tw- 30 seconds in bed and see how that feels right like you don't have to go all the way to an elaborately scripted scene from the theoretical Um, I just I love that I love the dipping the toe in the water this is what I say when women are like I think I might be interested in sleeping with another woman but the whole thing freaks me out I'm like go get a lap dance like the boundaries are clear you're sexually you're erotically interacting with another woman but it's like baby steps baby steps although I'll speak for those of us who really like masculine women like a lap dance probably would do nothing oh right right. (laughs) well but I'm sure there's some like boylesque that someone would give you a lap dance at one of those that's true yes boy-lesque. i'd have to go to some boylesque maybe i'll go to some boylesque hmm. oh sorry <laughs> distracted now distracted 
<laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to talk about that a lot because I think there's a huge difference between I like thinking about this, it turns me on, and I want to enact this in some sort of way with a partner. And I mean, the risks are higher, but so could the rewards be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you know, so you just got to sort of make that call for yourself. But all of us have fantasies that we don't want to do, even with our partner in the safety of our bedrooms. Like all of us, I think, have fantasies that exist in the realm of the theoretical. Absolutely. Um, and there's, and it doesn't mean we want that experience, <laughs> even in a scripted, controlled way, right? No, it, it just, we... I don't just, know why that's so hard for people to understand. I know. Well, I think, again, because people want to really control our, our sexuality and our desires. I mean, just women speaking desire is still taboo and is still comes under tremendous scrutiny. So you and I have hopefully done our part today to, to making the world a little safer. I hope so. Or we've caused outrage and we're going to be uh, kicked out of feminism i mean i think it could be both (laughs) i'm a both and person including absolutely absolutely um tristan tell us about sex out loud your fine podcast that people should be listening to oh yeah i love it so it happens friday nights it's live 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific and then it's also a podcast and you can find it on itunes and you can go to voiceamerica.com and search Sex Out Loud. Excellent. Excellent. Well, folks should tune in. How else can they follow you online? They can find me at my not safe for work website, puckerup.com, <laughs> or my safe for work site, tristanterramino.com. And I'm on Twitter more than Facebook at Tristan Terramino. Excellent. And you can also find me on Twitter and Facebook at, at Jacqueline F. That's J-A-C-L-Y-N-F. And on my website at JacquelineFriedman.com. Friedman is F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. You can email me at unscrewed at JacquelineFriedman.com or engage in the conversation with each other and me and Tristan on Twitter using the hashtag unscrewed. Find this excellent podcast wherever fine podcasts are available, Acast, Stitcher, iTunes. And while you're in iTunes, give us five stars. Give us a little review. That is how you help other folks find the show. Unscrewed is produced and edited by yours truly. Our in and out music is by The Pink Tiles, and our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna and was produced in collaboration with The Establishment, who also designed the sound cues. Until next time, I'm wishing you all safe and happy sex lives. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.